Father God, we come before you this morning to worship you. Thank you, Jesus. You are a great and awesome God. Yes. You are in control of everything. Things we see, things we cannot see. No matter what our eyes tell us, you are still king. You are still the God of everything. I thank you that we can come before you and worship you. I thank you that you love us. I ask you to bless the word today, Father. Bless the music. In the name of Jesus.
morning. Welcome home. <clears throat> I'm going to read to you guys from Psalms 57 this morning. I'll read uh, verse 7, 8, and 9. It says, My heart is fixed, O God, my heart is fixed. I will sing and give praise. Awake up my glory, awake psaltery and harp. I myself will awake early. I will praise you, O Lord, among the people. I will sing unto you among the nations. We've been doing a little studying at home. And when I think about where David was in his life while he was writing this, I'm humbled and inspired, big, big inspired, because y'all know this man was on the run for his literal life, his actual life. He was running for his life. And the Lord had brought him to the cave of Engedi. It was a refuge brought to him from the Lord. Um, and in, in some of our studies, we discovered that geographically, this place just did not fit in. It was an oasis. It was beautiful. A refuge indeed. Um, he was fleeing from Saul and instead of buckling in fear, he awoke early with his harp and his songs and he praised God. David had determined that whatever the price, whatever the price, this man who went from living in a palace capable of praising God among people all the day long was now in a cave in the middle of nowhere whatever the price his heart would be fixed on the Lord and in his determination he was brought to this place where he could commune with God and the Holy Spirit was in him he was inspired to write these words and ultimately sing them but little did he know little do any of us know right little did he know that his fixed heart his steadfast love his trust in the Lord and his obedience would lead to the very writing of the word of God. Big, so big. His words are read and studied and sung all over the world among the nations still today because David had decided to fix his heart. He had determined that no matter what. We do a lot of celebrating this time of year. There's a lot of joy. There's also a lot of people we tend to overlook who are struggling, who are in the fire, who are on the run, who are fleeing from all sorts of things. And I just want to remind you guys that um, if we fix our hearts on God, David had no idea. David had no idea how big the things he was doing in obedience would be. He had no idea that one day we today would be sitting here singing his songs of praise learning from them using them in our everyday life he had no idea but in obedience and trust to the Lord he did these things without faltering praising God it's beautiful so dear Heavenly Father we just lift you up we praise you oh Lord we exalt you King of Kings Lord of Lords Father we just thank you for your provision we thank you for moving in every one of our lives every single day, Father, for setting forth a path in front of us, Father, that we have the opportunity to be obedient 
and go forth in, Father. And we know that in our obedience, in our trust of you, in our fixed heart, in our steadfast love and trust of you, Father, that you are doing things far greater, so grandiose, we, we can't even grasp it. Father, we thank you for making us vessels. We ask, Father, that as we move forward, every step we take, every word we speak, every thought that passes through our minds, Father, bring glory to you. Father, that we stand fast in all of our trials and all of our troubles and be reminded daily that you are a God who loves us, that you are a God who cares for us, that you are a God walking ahead of us and that you will chase us down. You will chase after our hearts. You will not leave us behind. We thank you, Father. We praise you. every person in this room, Father, and that every person they encounter is also blessed, Father, that, that your blessing just pours forth from our fingertips, Father, that we shine bright for you. We come to you humbly, inspired. We thank you so much. Amen.
gratitude is this. You are the word at the beginning, one with God the Lord most high. Your hidden glory in creation now revealed in you our Christ. What a beautiful name it is. What a beautiful name it is. The name of Jesus Christ my Lord. What a beautiful name it is. Nothing compares to this. What a beautiful Oh, you silence the boast. 
I can testify. Yes. The goodness of God. It's more than we can comprehend. Lord, I thank you. Your goodness is running after us. Your word says that you have delivered us from the curse of the law. And your blessings will overtake us, Lord. You're chasing us down to bless us and cause good things to happen in our life, Lord. And that's what I, that's what I trust you for. I believe in you, Lord. And I know I've got problems, I've got struggles, I've got issues, but I know your goodness is not going to let me down. Your faithfulness is not going to cease. You don't change. Your love is unconditional. It yes, keeps being poured you. out on us. We don't have to earn it. We can't earn it. But you pour it out on us anyway, yes, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you for that. Thank you, Jesus. We will worship you this morning, yes, Lord. Hallelujah. Let's lift up his name. Let's exalt him because he is worthy. Yes. Thank you, Lord God. You are worthy, Lord. Hallelujah. You are holy, Lord God. Holy, Lord God. You alone are worthy of our praise. You alone, Lord. Every breath that we have, we are going to lift and exalt your name. This morning, you will be exalted in the presence of your people. We will lift you up and exalt you because you are worthy, Lord. Fill this place, Lord, with your presence. Speak to each person now as we worship you, Lord. As we wait on you and give you the opportunity, speak to us, Lord. We want to hear your voice, each one of us needs to hear from you those words you were saying you're calling us away calling us away from all the hustle and bustle of this christmas season you're calling us aside so that we can hear from you lord and i thank you lord that you are calling each one of us by name and i'm going to tune my ears in lord i'm going to tune into your voice i'm going to let your voice overwhelm all those other voices i'm going to let your voice be what I focus on and all those other voices that are trying to pull me and drag me different directions. I just say no. Your voice is what I'm hearing this morning, Lord. I am tuned into you. I want to hear from you, Lord. Speak, Lord Jesus. What a beautiful name it is. The name of Jesus. 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 There is power in the name of Jesus. It's not, there's nothing magical about the name it is the authority in his name that is the power. He is God Almighty. He came and lived in the flesh. He lived a perfect life. He gave himself freely for us. He rose from the dead victorious, and he has disarmed all principalities and powers, put them under his feet. And they're under our feet as well because we're in him. Jesus. There is no rival. There is no equal. There's nothing that can stand against the name Hallelujah. of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Mm, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Speak, Lord Jesus. Speak to each one of us, Lord. This is a, a time to allow him to speak, a time to allow him to breathe life into you, refresh you. We come in sometimes weary and busy and all distracted and we just need to lay all that down lay it all down and say here i am lord here i am lord i need you lord i'm coming aside to you lord and he's calling us the song of solomon he's he's singing that song over us come away with me my beloved come away with me come away with me come away with me Come away with me. He is calling you to come away with him just for a few moments. 
come away and let him let him embrace you in his love let him speak those words that you need to hear as carol plays that let's just let's just wait on him a few moments and just allow him to speak allow him to refresh you breathe it in just relax let all those cares just begin to fall fall to the floor put them before him and say here i am lord i just need you i need more of you more of you lord to me. Let nothing stop you. I love you. Amen. So you guys can be seated. Um, isn't God good? Yes. We can trust his goodness, his faithfulness. Hallelujah. You know, and sometimes I know you don't see it. You don't see it but it's always there. And we don't have to see it to know it's there. After last week, we talked about uh, knowing God as Jehovah Sedek, which is uh, the Lord our righteousness. And after, uh, after I got through, I thought I wasn't quite through yet. So anyway, I quit. How about that? And I promise I'll quit today when it gets to be the right time whatever time that is. But uh, so we're going to call this uh, Knowing, Knowing God is Jehovah Sadak Part 2. And the text, we read this passage last week, but I want to read it again. And it, uh, it really struck me. Psalm 17, 15. As for me, I will see your face in righteousness. I shall be satisfied when I awake in your likeness. As for me. And that's an expression that... Uh, it's numerous times in Scripture, but I want to just highlight a few of them quickly, but it's always pointing out a, a contrast between what everybody else is doing or saying versus what I'm doing or saying. So God said it, and then there are people that said it. And God said it to Noah in Genesis 9. He said, and as for me... Behold, I establish my covenant with you and with, with your descendants after you. God said it to Abram in Genesis 17. He said, As for me, behold, my covenant is with you. You shall be a father of many nations, and no longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be called Abraham, for I have made you a father of many nations. God also said to those people, as for you, he said, as for me, this is what I'm going to do. And as for you, this is what you need to do. As for you, be fruitful and multiply and bring forth abundantly in the earth and multiply in it. And to Abraham, he said, and as for you, you shall keep my covenant, you and your descendants after you throughout your generations. 
Jacob said it in Genesis 48. Joshua said it in Joshua 24, 15. He said, if it seems, and, and by the way, most of these times, these people are, they are talking about their history. They're talking about what God has done or, and, and their situation. And then they say this. Joshua said, you know, you guys, y'all are going to the promised land. God's made all these promises to us. You've been worshiping idols throughout your life, but it's time to give all that up and get right and do the right things. And he said, when we go into the land, he said, if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me... In my house, we will serve the Lord. Samuel said it in 1 Samuel 12. David understood the significance of it. I think that's why David said it. He was talking about how everybody else trusts in their strength and how bad people do things and all the worldly things, the earthly way of doing things. And he said, but as for me, he said, I am choosing to see the Lord in his righteousness. And I'm going to be satisfied if I can just awaken his likeness. As for me, this morning, I couldn't help but notice, you know, Amber got up and talked about fixing your heart on the Lord. And that's exactly what we're talking about. This expression, that's what it's saying. I don't care what everybody else is doing. I don't care what decisions they've made. I don't care what the world says or does. As for me, this is what we're going to do. This is what I choose. Ruth said it. It wasn't in the exact same words, but in Ruth 1, she said, Entreat me not to leave you. She's talking to her mother-in-law, Naomi. She said, Or to go back from following after you. For wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God, my God. And where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. The Lord do so to me, and more also, if anything, but death parts you and me. She was saying, as for me, I'm going to walk with the Lord. I'm choosing what's right, and I'm going to stay the course, and I'm not going to be distracted. Nothing that the world does, nothing that anybody else says is going to distract me. I am going to do what God has called me to do and put before me to do. Elisha said it in a different way, but it's the same basic thing. He said, he said as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. He said it three times. Elijah said, why don't you stay here? He's like, nope, not going to do it. As the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I'm not leaving you. I'm sticking with you through thick and thin. You know, some of us, when it gets thick, we thin out. But uh, God wants us to stay, and he will stay with us through thick and thin. He doesn't leave you. He doesn't forsake you. And he wants us to be that same way. So when David said, as for me... I want to see him in his face in righteousness, and I'll just be satisfied if I can awaken his likeness. If I can awaken his likeness. Because when we awaken his likeness, we're going to be more like him. Because we're going to see him as he is. And we see him as he is. We know what we're aiming for. And we stay the course, and we continue to walk with him. We will be changed. If you're not being changed, something's wrong. We need to be changed. You may think you got it going on and everything's hunky-dory, but I'm telling you, you need to be changed. We all need to be changed. Constantly need to be offering ourselves to the Lord so that he can change us. In Psalms 34, it says, I bless the Lord 
At all times, his praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. I'm not going to brag about how good I am or what all I've done. I'm going to boast in the Lord. I'm going to talk about his goodness. My soul will make its boast in the Lord, and the humble shall hear of it and be glad. Oh, come on, magnify the Lord with me. Let's exalt his name together. I sought the Lord, and he heard me, and he delivered me from all my fears. They looked to him, and they were radiant. Their faces were not ashamed. And this poor man cried out, and the Lord heard him, saved him out of all his troubles. And the angel of the Lord encamps around, all around those who fear him, and delivers them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints, for there is no want to those who fear him. The young lions lack and suffer, but those who seek the Lord shall not lack any good thing. We have to be so convinced that that's the way it is, that God is faithful and what he's promised he'll do, and that no matter if we continue to walk with the Lord, we're not going to lack any good thing. If you don't believe that, then you're going to be a doubter. That's just all there is to it. You have to believe that God is good and that he is working good in and for and through you all the time. Your circumstances may look awful. Your life may be looking hopeless and you might be despairing. But there is hope because God is good and he is good all the time. And he has our good. That's the most important thing in God's heart is working good in us. That's what he wants to do. That's who God is. His goodness. I love that verse. His goodness is running after us. It's chasing us down. His faithfulness, all my life, he's been faithful. Now, I look back at my life, and there were times that I, I, was, I was discouraged. I was beat down, didn't know what I was going to do. It didn't look like it was going to work out. And then later, you look back, and it's like, wow, you know, God was faithful. I made it through that. I didn't think I was going to make it through, but look, here I am. And God is faithful. But we have to understand it. We have to be convinced of that to not allow the enemy to come in and beat you up and lie to you. And I think we all, at times, we fall into that trap of believing the lies or deception of the enemy. You know, when we know what God says, but we're looking at our circumstances. It's like, wow, you know, God, you said this, but this is what I see. It's pretty hard to not pay attention to the circumstances. And I'm not saying that you've got to lie about it and deny that that's what's happening. I'm just saying you have to believe that God is going to bring you through it. However that might be, he may completely deliver you miraculously. He may start a process that delivers you over a period of time. Or he may just say, you need to change. And you're not going to get delivered from this until you change. You know, your circumstances are of your own making. And you need to make some changes. And whatever it is. But the bottom line is that God is faithful to bring you through all those things. Whether the circumstances change or not, he's still faithful. So, I want to talk to you about three different types of righteousness. <clears throat> imputed righteousness. And that word imputed, not a word that we use a lot, but uh, looked it up in the dictionary. Webster's good old dictionary that was back when they used biblical definitions. And you, can, you can trust it. It means to be charged to the account of attributed to or ascribed to. So if something is imputed to you, it is 
basically given to you, even though you didn't do anything on your own. It's like someone is in the store with you, and they say, go ahead and just pick out whatever you want. And they walk up to the counter with it, and they said, okay, I got it. You just stand over there. I'm going to pay. That's what imputed means. It's, it's not something that you earn. It's not something you can control. It is given to you freely because someone wants to do that. That's imputed righteousness. And so Paul talks about it this way in Romans 4. What does the scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Now to him who works, the wages are not counted as grace, but as debt. But to him who does not work, but believes on him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is accounted for righteousness. Just as David also describes the blessedness of the man to whom God imputes righteousness apart from his works. David said, blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and those whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord shall not impute sin. Does this blessedness then come upon the, un the circumcised only or upon the uncircumcised also? That means the Jews and the Gentiles. For we say that faith was accounted to Abraham for righteousness. How then was it accounted? While he was circumcised or uncircumcised? Not while circumcised, but while uncircumcised. And he received the sign of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness of the faith, which he still, which he, while still uncircumcised, that he might be the father of all those who believe. Though they are uncircumcised, that righteousness might be imputed to them also. The father of circumcision to those who not only are of the circumcision, but who also walk in the steps of the faith which our father Abraham had while still uncircumcised. That's a lot of back and forth, but just what he's saying is, it happened before he had the deal. He hadn't had the deal yet. He didn't have the covenant yet. And God says, I'm making this deal to you. And, and in that, I read that uh, earlier, but God said, but as for me, I'm going to make this covenant with you. And as for you, you're going to obey me and follow me. That's the covenant that's being referred to here. It's the covenant where God says, this is what I'm doing. And you, as you're part of it, I want you to be circumcised. The males be circumcised. I want you to submit yourself to me, and I want you to obey me. If you'll walk with me and obey me, and he didn't say you had to be perfect. What he said was, walk with me and obey me. And when you mess up, because I know you're going to mess up, I've set up a whole system for you to be able to come back to me and say, I messed up. I'm asking you to forgive me. But he gave that covenant to him while he was not. He was not in covenant. He said, I'm giving it to you, and you receive it by faith. It was a free gift just like it is now. It's a free gift. You can't earn it. It's not by works. And they were not saved by works even back then, by the way. It was faith by grace even then. But they did have a list of ordinances and commandments to go by because they didn't have the Holy Spirit living within them to give them that knowledge and information to work in our, in our inner man the way that the Holy Spirit does now when we are believers. The Holy Spirit has come to give us uh, truth. He leads us into all truth. He gives us guidance and He directs us. He shows us the things that we ought to do, the things that we ought not to do. And when we're not sure, but we've got some funny feeling, make you kind of question, that's probably the Holy Spirit working through your conscience and warning you 
to be obedient, warning you to do the right thing. Don't, don't disobey that voice. Do what God is leading you to do. I want to read on. So it says, For the promise that he would be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. For if those who are of the law are heirs, faith is made void and the promise made of no effect, because the law brings about wrath. For where there is no law, there is no transgression. Therefore, it is of faith that it might be according to grace, so that the promise might be sure to all the seed, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, I've made you a father of many nations in the presence of him whom he believed, God who gives life to the dead, calls those things which do not exist as though they did, who contrary to hope, in hope he believed so that he might become so that he became the father of many nations according to what was spoken. And so shall your descendants be. Not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead since he was about a hundred years old. In the deadness of Sarah's womb, he did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God and being fully convinced that what he had promised he was also able to perform. And therefore... It was accounted to him for righteousness. Now it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him, but also for us. It shall be imputed to us who believe in him who raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was delivered up because of our offenses and was raised because of our justification. He didn't just do that for Abraham, but he did it for everyone after him. The faith that Abraham had set the tone for all those who would follow the Lord from that point forward because it's always supposed to be by faith through grace. You can't earn God's favor. You can't earn anything with God. His favor and his blessing is upon you unless you are resisting it. His love is unconditional. And I say this from time to time, and I'm going to say it again. He loves you. It doesn't matter if you're a believer. It doesn't matter if you're an unbeliever. It doesn't matter if you're the worst mess up in the world. It doesn't matter if you're a terrorist or, you know, you've got all kinds of problems. It doesn't matter if you're a preacher. God's love is unconditional. He pours it out on us. He loves us all. That's why he sent his son to die for us all because he loves everyone. God doesn't change his love. When you mess up, God doesn't pull his love back and say, oh, that's it. No more for you. You know, the old Saturday Night Live skit, you know, the, the soup Nazi. No more soup for you. No more. You know, he doesn't do that. He just, you know, he keeps pouring his love out and calling us. You don't get that kind of love from anybody else. Even husbands and wives and mothers and children and fathers and children, you know, we love. But, man, i got to say, sometimes when they're bullheads and they're being, they're being disobedient and they're doing over and over and over, I mean, finally it's like, man, yeah, i got to do something different here. You know, my patience runs thin. And I have to admit, many times when my patience was thin, I did wrong. I, I got in the flesh and I, you know, I 
I'd say things that I had to go back and apologize for. I'd spank my kids in anger sometimes. You know, I'm not apologizing for spanking them. They need a spanking. But you don't ever want to do things in anger. But God doesn't do that. God is not a man. He doesn't have lack of control over his emotions. His love is genuine, authentic, and it's unfailing, and it's not limited in any way by our obedience or our disobedience. It's not limited or it's not increased by our faith or our doubt. God is love. That's who he is. It doesn't change. That's who he is. We have to be convinced of that, though, because a lot of us, maybe we didn't have as good a relationship with our earthly fathers as we needed, and it's hard to see the love of the Father if you haven't seen it in real life. If you happen to have been abused as a child or, you know, treated cruelly, I've, I've seen that in children, you know, you, you reach over to them and, and they, they flinch back, and you know that They've, they've, been, they've been abused a little bit because they're not sure if you're reaching out to love them or if you're reaching out to do something otherwise to them. We have to be convinced that God is he's faithful and he can be trusted. When he reaches out to us and when we reach out to him, we have to know that we get that love type reception instead of the, the pushed away or rejection. God doesn't reject us. When we come to him, he receives us. Now, he may require something of you. you know? I mean, he might require you to repent. He might require you to, to make changes in your life. If you want to walk with him, I mean, he wants us to change. We're not supposed to come to Jesus and then just be the same old sinner that we were. I mean, we're supposed to be changed. We're a new creation. We're supposed to be different. He wants us to repent and walk with him more closely. Every day is a new opportunity to walk closer to the Lord and be the way that he wants us to be. So that is imputed righteousness. You can't earn it. It's freely given. You receive it by faith. It's by God's grace. And that righteousness, it's like probably one of the simplest ways to, to describe it would be to say, you know, when... <clears throat> Like, I'm standing here, you can see me. And if there was somebody standing right behind me, same size, you wouldn't be able to see them. And that's sort of the way it is. When God looks at us, when we're a believer, Jesus is standing between us and God. And he sees the righteousness of Christ. He's not looking at our rottenness our failures, our flops. He's not looking at all the stuff about us. He sees us as covered in the righteousness of Christ. That's who we are. If we're believers, we are in Christ. His righteousness covers us. And it's not a righteousness that we can earn. Then there is imparted righteousness. <clears throat> and that word imparted means communicated, granted, or conferred. Now, imparted righteousness, I believe, <clears throat> is when we walk with the Lord, he kind of begins to rub off on us, and we just begin to be like him. It's still not something that we're earning. 
it's all God. He's still, he is imparting it to us. He is conferring it on us. He is giving it to us. He's granting it to us. He's communicating it to us. That's the very first definition, communicating. Think about that. So as you walk with the Lord, he is communicating to you about his righteousness so that you are becoming more like him. You are learning. You're listening. You're obeying. You're becoming like him. That's what David said. I'll be satisfied if I can just awaken his and, and see him as he is. If I can awaken in his likeness, I can be like him. That's what we want. We want to be like him. Second Peter 1, <clears throat> verse 3, as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. But also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness. For if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. If you walk with the Lord and you are communicating with him, his word is communicating to you, he's given you these exceeding exceedingly great and precious promises whereby we can become partakers of his divine nature. He imparts his nature to us and we begin to take on his nature as we walk with him because he's made all these promises to us. He's told us who he is and he tells us who we are in him and as we walk with him, we start becoming like him. It rubs off on us. You know, when you hang around with someone, you're going to begin to be like them. Young people need to be aware of that. You hang around with bad people, you're probably going to begin to take up bad habits and be like them. You hang around with good people, you'll begin to take up those good habits and be like them. You hang around people that go to church and live for the Lord, you'll be wanting to go to church and live for the Lord. You hang around people that don't, you won't. It's not rocket science. It rubs off on you. I wouldn't say it's osmosis, but it's kind of like that. You begin to just soak it up. And as you walk with the Lord, it just happens naturally. Um, I hear people give that testimony from time to time. People have anger issues or problems, and, and you know they're working on it, and they're thinking about it and praying about it, and they mess up, and they repent, and they mess up, and they repent. And, and then one day it's like, hey, I hadn't done that in a long time. I don't even remember the last time I lost my temper. I don't remember the last time I did that. It's just... I'm walking with the Lord. I'm, I'm more like him. I'm not having those same problems. God has changed me. That's the hope that we have is that you wake up in Christ one morning and it's like, I'm more like him. Every day it's a new opportunity. Aren't you glad that you get, you get more chances? You get a do-over? I need a do-over. I mean, I need them a lot more frequently than I'd like to admit. <laughs> But we all need to know that, that we have the opportunity 
to start fresh over and over and over again. Jesus said that. Peter said, how often should I forgive my brother? Seven times? And he said, not hardly, dude. Seventy times seven. I mean, in other words, what he was saying is over and over and over. Don't even count. Too many to count. And you know why he was saying that? Because that's the way the Father is. That's the way the Father is. You mess up, all you got to do is say, Lord, sorry, I messed up. Forgive me. Come, let's, let's go. I'm ready to go on. You can do it over and over and over again. But I'm telling you, if you'll do that, eventually, eventually you'll begin to find that you're not doing it as many times each day. And there'll be some days you don't have to do that at all. And then there'll be some weeks that you're not doing it. And first thing you know, you've got a real life habit going on in your life that you're walking with God and you're being victorious and you're not walking in the flesh anymore in that area. That's the way it works. It's, it's not... It's not something super difficult to understand. The things that you do routinely every day, they become a pattern and a habit in your life, whether you're doing the right things or the wrong things. It's just the way it is. The more we're obedient, the more we follow the Lord, and walk with the Lord, the more He begins to make us like Him. And it happens because of His imputed righteousness. It happens because of His imparted righteousness. It doesn't happen because of your works. And that's the third kind of righteousness, imagined righteousness. Yeah, you just be dreaming it up. <clears throat> imagined means formed in the mind, fancied or contrived. So you can fancy yourself as some great something or other, and that's probably not going to be true. Uh, you can contrive it all up in your mind and you can think about it. This is who I am because this is who I want to be. It's not going to make it happen. You can dream it all up, but that doesn't make it happen. And you can think you're righteous because you're doing right. But as far as God's concerned, your righteousness does not cut it. Now, he wants us to be righteous. He wants us to do right. He wants us to be upright and be people of integrity, do the right things. But you, your righteousness in God's sight, not, it doesn't impress him too much. Matter of fact, Isaiah 64, verse 6 says, But we are all like an unclean thing, and all our righteousness are like filthy rags. We all fade as a leaf, and our iniquities, like the wind, have taken us away. And that sounds pretty discouraging, but, but there is hope in that, because when we recognize our great need for Him, that's when He becomes our Savior. As long as you think you've got everything going on and you don't need Him, then that's where you're going to stay lost. You want to be saved, you need to admit your need for Him. And when you start there... Everything else begins to fall into place. It's a process. You can be born again and, and immediately you are, you are alive in Christ. But the process of learning to walk in uprightness and righteousness and be like Him is a process that you're going to walk in the rest of your life until you breathe your last breath. I'm just telling you, that's the way it is. You are not going to get it perfect. You're not going to get it all figured out. You're not going to come to a point where you can say, okay, I'm there. It's not going to happen. And that, I'm not saying that to discourage you. I'm just telling you, we'll never be perfect. There was only one perfect man, and that was Jesus. Paul said, I'm, I'm forgetting all the stuff that's in the past, 
and I'm pressing in towards the mark of the high calling. I know, I, I know where I was. I know where I'm going. I know I'm in between right now, but I am I'm trying to forget the stuff in the past. I'm going to learn from my mistakes, but I'm not going to dwell on that because I'm not condemned anymore. I'm made alive in Christ. I used to be bound and in transgression and sin and iniquity, but now I'm set free, and I got my eyes on the prize, and I'm pressing in. I'm going forward, and I'm going to continue to do that day by day. He said, I die daily. I mean, every day. It's like I'm just having to start over and say, okay, I'm crucifying my flesh. I'm putting it all down, and I'm, my life is in peril physically because Paul, as he preached, you know, he got beat up. He got stoned. He got left for dead. I mean, he... He suffered for the gospel's sake. That's why he was saying, I die daily. I don't, just, I don't just give myself, you know, my flesh and my appetites spiritually, but I'm, I'm physically at risk every day because of my faith and my commitment to the gospel. But he wasn't discouraged. He was encouraged. He said, I do this because that's what I'm called to do, and I'm glad to do it. And he said, and God has, has used me to touch other people. And that's the way he wants to work in all of us. As we are changed, he can use us. Because you're not going to be very effective in your witness if you're still living a life of sin. You walk around talking bad, doing bad, people see what you're doing. You don't really impress them too much when you start saying, hey, I'm a Christian, come go to church with me. They're thinking, well, you're not different than me. You're just like me. We are supposed to be different. You're not, I'm not saying you're going to be perfect. That God wants us to be different. We talked about the light. I lit, lit those candles a while ago. We are supposed to be a light to the world. Jesus is the light of the world, and we're supposed to be lights as well. And I, I told you fr uh, Friday night that I live out in the country, and there's not a lot of lights right there around me. I can see, I can see lights, literal lights on homes and stuff out down towards Granbury and in Weatherford and over on the highway and I look over towards Fort Worth and I can't see individual lights but there's a, there's a glow in the sky over it and I know that there is a city there because there is a light over it and that's what Jesus said we're supposed to be like a city set on a hill our light should be shining so that people can see there's something different about us sometimes that's, that's what we need. When we come in to worship, we come in so we can get a little, a little uh, burst of light on us, a little, little flame or something, you know, so we go out of here with, with a light, a glow. We don't want to walk around with our, our light that's snuffed out or, or, you know, I was walking around the day with a candle in here trying to light people, and I think the fans kept blowing mine out. You know, you don't, want your, you don't want your light to go out. You want your light to be bright so people can see it. Light is attractive. Who wants to hang out in the darkness all the time? I don't like the darkness. Bad things happen to you in the darkness. I go out there to chicken coop sometimes at night, and you know if I'm not having a flashlight or watching where I'm going, I'll, you know, tree limbs will hit me in the face or spider webs. You know, it's like I don't like spider webs in my face. I don't like that, and I I don't like you know having tree limbs poke me. You know, I went out there with a chainsaw the other day and cut some down. Like that's the last time that sucker's gonna get me. I fixed that. So. You know, if you're not willing to use a flashlight, then you better prepare the ways for a little bit so that you can walk and get around without getting poked and, and prodded and dinged. So there are a number of ways that you can deal with stuff in life. And the Lord wants us to know that it's all in Him. 
If you walk with the Lord, he can, he can give you the direction that you need in every situation. He can tell you if you need to have a flashlight or if you need to have a chainsaw or you need to just stay inside, send someone else. Yeah. I like that, you know. I'm glad that there are, there are someone else's to use. You know, there are other people that can do things. I don't mind doing just about anything, but it is nice to know that other people will help you. And I appreciate you guys. Y'all are, are so faithful and good. I, uh, I think I got it pretty easy, really. I just show up and preach, and uh, everybody else is doing all the stuff that goes on, the cooking and cleaning and housekeeping and, you know. God has, he has a place for each of us. And we need to find that place, and we need to walk in that. And we don't have to be perfect to walk in that place, but we do have to be in that process of allowing him to communicate his love and his truth and his righteousness to us so that we can begin to change and be like him. He does want us to be cleansed, and he wants us to, to walk with him. Isaiah 1, verses 16 through 20, it says, Wash yourselves. Make yourselves clean. Put away the evil of your doings from before my eyes. Cease to do evil. Learn to do good. Seek justice. Rebuke the oppressor. Defend the fatherless. Plead for the widow. Come now. Let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be as wool. And if you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, you shall be devoured by the sword. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. God said it over and over again in multiple ways. Joshua said it. He said, you know, choose this day. You know, life and death. And this is it. He said, as, as for me... As for me, in my house, we're going to serve the Lord. We have to choose who we're going to follow. We have to choose. Are we going to be the ones that are willing and obedient and we're eating the good of the land? Are we going to be those that refuse and rebel and get devoured by the sword? I mean, that's the way it's always been. God says, I've got a plan. The devil's got a plan. You can choose life or you can choose death. I choose life. Come, he says. Let's reason together. God is not unreasonable, and he's not, he's not a nitpicker. But his truth is, is true. It doesn't change. And what he says is, is sin or unrighteousness, it still is. Even though it's been thousands of years since the scripture was written, <clears throat> he hasn't changed his standards haven't changed. The word of God is still true. Come, let's reason together. Though your sins were, they were bright, red, ugly, nasty, I'm going to make them pure, white as snow. God is not unreasonable, but he, and he doesn't negotiate, but he will talk to us, and he will listen to us, and we can talk to him. We can say, Lord, I'm broken. I need to be cleansed. And he'll say, okay. Worship team, y'all can come back.
I want to read one last verse as they're coming. <clears throat> Acts 3.19. Peter's preaching, and he really, really hits the nail on the head, and all the people are, are convicted. They realize that they've, uh, they've not been walking with the Lord, and they say, man, what, what do we need to do? And he said, this is what you need to do. Repent and be converted that your sins may be blotted out so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. There is something miraculous and inexplicable. It is beyond anything else that we have in this life. That refreshing that comes from the presence of the Lord. That's why when we, when we worship, I don't want to be in a hurry. I want us to pay, take time so that the Lord... The Lord will refresh each one of us. Some of us come in, we're all set. I mean, we're ready to go. We just jump right in there. We're worshiping right from the first verse. Some of us a little slower to get, get in. And I think some of us might not enter in until we're almost through. But every day, it's an opportunity for us to, to say, Lord, I want this to be, to be the day that I walk with you more closely. It's an opportunity to start over again. Every day, we can say, Lord... I confess, I didn't get it all right yesterday. I'm asking you to forgive me. I repent. I turn from that. Today, I want to walk with you more closely. Today, I want to know you. I want to hear your voice. And if you'll do that, times of refreshing from the presence of the Lord will be, they will be for you how often you come. It can be every day. It can be every hour. It can be every moment. Times of refreshing can come to you all day long, every day, as you come to the Lord and make him the Lord in your life and say, here I am. I just want you. I want more of you. Amen? Amen. Let's stand and worship.
So if you're here and you either don't know the Lord or maybe you haven't been walking with him quite like you ought to or maybe you recognize that you've got some areas in your life that you need to be set free, maybe you need a physical touch of healing or whatever might be going on. If you'd like special prayer for anything, uh, you can come as we sing this last song and someone will meet you at the altar and pray with you. There's no reason for you to leave with problems in your life today. Because God is here to heal, to save, to deliver, to change you, to give you hope, to fill you with joy, to give you peace, and to reveal his love to you. Amen. And all that comes in Christ. Amen.
Lord, thank you for your goodness. Thank you that you have been here this morning, Lord. We have experienced the times of refreshing in your presence. Yes, sir. I thank you for that. Lord, I now ask that you go with us, lead us and guide us, help us to be that light, the city set up on a hill, Lord, that our light would shine before men so that they would see you and glorify you and, and be attracted to you, Lord. And now receive the blessing of the Lord. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and grant you his peace. Thank you, Jesus. Go and be blessed. Have a great week. Happy New Year. We'll see you next Sunday. And uh, keep, keep the faith. Amen? Keep the faith. Persevere. Don't be distracted. Go for it.